<laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Leonardo. I'm recovering adult child. Um, so I'm going to read a, a bit about the inner child, and then I'm going to talk about my experience with that. Um, so in Chapter 8, they talk about becoming our own loving parent, reparenting ourselves, requires that we accept the reality of the inner child. The child within us is our original identity, which knows how to love and trust freely. And I'm already getting emotional. It's been like an emotional last few weeks for me, so um, I guess that's okay. I always feel like I want to apologize for my emotions. We become willing to consistently seek out and integrate the inner child into our lives. So... The inner, when I heard about the inner child when I first came into this program, I was like, ugh, stop. Like, that's just how I felt. I felt like, you guys are so ridiculous. This is so pathetic. Are we going to paint with our inner child? Like, is that what we're going to do? Like, I just, I felt so hostile at the idea of an inner child. And I... I had a, an interesting experience which really convinced me that my inner child was real. Um, about a year, a year and a couple months ago, I, I, so I've been in this program now for about two years, and um, a year and a few months ago, I started somatic therapy, which works with trauma as it's stored in the body. I had already been doing like talk therapy for years, and I was like, okay, now I'm just going in a circle, and this isn't helpful. So I came across um, literature that talked about trauma getting stored in the body and that it doesn't it's respond to verbal therapy, that it needs its own kind of therapy. So as soon as I read that, like something in me was like, I need to do this. And um, I started the therapy, and um, it was interesting because during the first session, the therapist was like, you know, we were sitting across from each other, and she was looking at me, and I was really uncomfortable, and I could not say that I was really uncomfortable with her looking at me, but she's a very intuitive therapist, and she said, do you want me to close my eyes? And I was like, yes. And even to just admit that was like really hard. And then when she did, all of a sudden, this other way of being came out where I felt very playful. And I wanted to, like, do you know that thing that kids do when they're at the doctor's office and their legs are too short? And they're like, I just wanted to do that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my inner child. And I was, like, so happy because it was, I, I hadn't had that experience. I hadn't allowed myself to have the boundaries that I needed. Okay, so let me rewind. One, I wasn't given the boundaries that I needed as a child, period. Like, I wasn't given the boundaries that I needed as a child to be a child, so my hypervigilance developed very early. This mature child who didn't need anything developed very early. Um, and this, the actual child went into hiding for like a really long time. And so this act of saying, yes, I need you to close my eye, your eyes, give me a boundary, was a communication to my inner child that it was safe to come out because I was taking care of her. Whereas before, what I was doing was really trying to override the process of my own internal cues. Forget about what you need. This is what needs to happen, because 
your knee, like, we need to survive. That's, that's what needs, so, like, these little itty-bitty needs of, like, you need to feel safe, like, we don't have time for that shit. Like, we need to be on alert. And what, I, what I'm starting to learn is that, like, this inner child can only come out when it feels, she feels safe. And that happens by listening to her and then and speaking up for those needs. And that's like really difficult for me. I have a real, I really struggle with voicing my needs and what I want. And um, something that I learned over the, like about two weeks ago and sort of been triggering this very like sensitive, emotional place that I'm in. Um, I, you know, I, I was reading a piece of literature that talked about um, adult children of emotionally immature parents, which I felt was like subtitle of this program. And I, <clears throat> I came across this part, this part that talked about some kids that seem like they really don't need anything. They're totally self-sufficient. They're, do, they're not like in trouble. They're doing it themselves. And what really struck me was the sentence that said, no matter how it seems, these children are still children and they have needs. And like, hmm. it spoke to me because I was like, I've been telling myself, I, it's not that I just told them that I didn't need anything. I told myself I didn't need anything. I like convinced myself that at eight years old, I was mature enough to be able to navigate my dad's crazy changing moods and take care of my brothers and be able to predict when he was going to be upset and walk my mother to the train to make sure that she got on the train safe and then walk home alone. This is what I was doing at eight years old. Truly believing the, the created and the projected psyche that I was handling everything and that was what I was supposed to do. And this like really spoke to me on a real primal level because I thought, oh my God, I don't even know what those needs are. It's been so long. I've buried them for so long that I don't, I don't even know what they are. And it's um, part of the reason that I did that was because there was nobody there who could give them to me. So to constantly be in touch with I need this and I'm not getting it. It was just way too painful. And um, it was way too scary to constantly be in touch with that because I had to face like how inept my parents actually were and how dangerous they actually were. And so, you know, I said that to my therapist two weeks ago. I don't even know what these needs are. And then this week it was like, here's one of your needs. <laughs> and it was not pretty. It was not like pretty to admit it. Like, it's a child's need, it's a natural need, but it wasn't pretty for me to admit this to myself because one of the needs that came up was this like real yearning and desire to connect still emotionally with my father. Mm -hmm. And this was so hard for me to admit because I was like, he's a really abusive man. He's very toxic and the connection with him is always tainted with abuse and like just... The only way I can really think of it is if I, if I were to open up and say I need to connect emotionally with you, he's like, okay, let me beat you down because that's what I know how to do. So I had, you know, I realized, though, that was one of those first needs that I was like, crush that. You don't need anything from this man. He's horrible. Horrible. And 
you know, what, what came up for me this week was realizing, oh, I, there's that child in me who still so desperately wants that. And, oh, my God, how hard it is to know that I'm never going to be able to get that. Like, I'm never going to be able to get that from the person who's my father. Wow, that really sucks. Really sucks. And, you know, that, that stuff comes from, I think, well, actually, I know from connecting with my inner child. So I don't think that that's where the story ends because that would be really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my dad's a horrible human. I want to connect with him and I can't get it. It's over, (laughs) end of story. It's like, I don't want to live in a Greek tragedy. (laughs) So it's like, what do I do now? I can't get it from this person. What do I do now? Well, I'm not a child anymore. I don't need my father the way I did when I was a child. I have to, I still have to grieve and mourn, and I'll probably be fucking grieving and mourning for the rest of my life, which sucks. Because sometimes I'm like, oh my God, again with the traumatic childhood. Like, could we just please, please? And it's like, no, we can't because there's so many fucking layers to it. And the, but then it's like, okay, I ha- I don't need him anymore. I need other humans. So that's the, that's the other part, too. It's like, okay, you couldn't get it, and that sucks. By not denying that I need that, I don't totally negate my need. Because like, if I deny that I needed it from him, then I have to negate it, and I don't need it from anyone, and I could just live alone, and I don't need anyone, and forget it. And it's like, no, you do need it. You couldn't get it from him. It's really painful. But now you don't need it from him, but you do need it. <laughs> You need emotional connection with other humans, and that means a lot of different things. Um, it was, it's really easy for me to admit that I need emotional connections with friends and fellows, because that's like pretty safe territory. But when it comes to me admitting that I need emotional connection with a romantic partner, it's like I'm like a fish writhing who like just got out of water and is like, don't tell me that. Like, don't tell me that. I don't want to admit it. Because it really puts me in a vulnerable position. Like friends, I feel like I can just switch them out. Like if I don't like this friend, then I'm going to go to this friend. (laughs) It's really true. And it's like one of the things that I'm working on. It's like you actually can't just switch out your friends. Like (laughs) you have to like work through difficulties there too, which is really hard for me. But like a romantic partner, they're more like symbolic of a parent for me. And it's like I can't just switch them out. And so, you know, what I'm getting to is that I'm not going to be able to get it from my father, but I can get it from a romantic partner. And not in this way that's like be my dad, because that's a whole other thing. Because that, that's actually when I then start recreating the dynamic with my father, right? Now that I'm going to start choosing other men who also can't give me what I need emotionally so I can like relive out this dynamic because I don't realize that's what I'm doing. Because I'm trying to deny that that's what I need. But if I can really admit, no, I need somebody who can actually love me for who I am, not what I do, that's like the other really big thing, then I can actually start to look with open eyes at who I'm choosing. And like, is this person capable of actually showing up in that way? Forget about that I'm attracted to them and that I like them and I might want to sleep with them. Can they show up for me emotionally? And I don't think I've ever really like looked at men that way. It was like, I'm in love. That's what matters. And it's like, there's like this warning that's like, if you find yourself instantly attracted to someone, that probably means they're playing out your subconscious dynamics. Like, run. Like, that's, 
that's what I've learned. You know, it's like when that's like that instant fire, and then I hear it like in people that I'm close to, like, I don't know, he just does something to me. I'm like, yeah, he does what your dad did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> run. Like, run. And like, I used to be that person, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. And I don't want, oh, I don't know. Like, I want to know. I want to know. It's because they call me when they say they're going to call me. They show up when they say they're going to show up. They're a really lovely person. I enjoy spending time with them. Um, and these things are hard for me to admit that I want them because when I didn't get them as a child, I made up the story that it was because of some defect on my behalf. I was unworthy. I am incapable. I am not worth it. And then because I thought something was wrong with me, I thought, well, I have to be somebody else. Let me get into a different role, i.e. not my true inner child and my true self. And then I can win this love. And that's kind of like the, the thing that I realized with my, um, you know, my father, who's my primary qualifier for this program, was I was constantly searching for who did I need to be to be loved by him. And that meant different things for me. Like, um, a big part of it was I lived it out in, with my body. I had, like, severe body image dysmorphia from a very young age, actually, since, like, I think I was um, 11 or 12 when I remember the first episode of body image dysmorphia. And I had a se severe eating disorder from the time I was, like, 15 to about 24, 25. And it's still in my head that if I just look a certain way, which is always thinner because that was the thing in my family that was like prized. My dad's a compulsive overeater who's very overweight, but he knew to tell everybody else what they needed to look like. And I thought if I'm just that, then I'll win the love. Um, if I'm just successful enough, which for my dad is a very narrow description, it's be a successful lawyer, period. That's it. <laughs> that is it. If I just do that, then I'll win the love. Uh, for, it was a big time. It was like doing really well in school, being a straight A student. And I did, you know, I think what happened was I did all that stuff early on. Like I was a really good girl. That, that's a really fucked up definition, but I was it. I like, I did really well in school. I was like a star student. And I like basically, I like didn't make any trouble for them. I brought it all, all the things they wanted. And I got um, acknowledgement and like approval, but I didn't get love. And I think like at some point I gave up because it's sort of like, it's like that, you know, it's like the Sisyphus thing. You're like, you're going to, you're not really, you're going to do it, but you're not really going to do it because what, what's happening is my parents are even, they're communicating that message to me that that's what I need to do to win their love. But even they don't know that they're lying because you can't, uh, win love by what you do. You just can't. I mean, like, you either love your child or you don't. And I think about that because I have, like, a brother who could be my child. And I think when he was born, I just instantly loved him. Instantly. There was nothing that he did. And he was, like, a really difficult baby. And I, like, loved the shit out of him even though he was so difficult. And when he was not difficult, I still loved him. And, like, that relationship has really helped me to see, like, that's actually the way that my parents were supposed to love me. Mm -hmm. And they were just not capable of it. And it wasn't because of anything I did. And so I'm starting to learn that I can stop trying to do all these things, thank you, to win love, which is really important because I'm not doing it with my parents anymore, but I'm doing it in my romantic relationships. If I'm just 
good enough, you'll love me. And it's like, even if they did at that point, I, I still wouldn't feel loved because I would know the truth. Um, so for me, like the solution to that stuff is connecting with my inner child because that's my true self. And then if I can be that person, I can, you know, and somebody loves that person, then that's the kind of person I want to be with, not somebody who loves the role self that I'm putting on. Um, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Lena.